Hey, we are in the middle of um, a series which we launched last week, um, which we're calling Rhythms, where we're simply going to figure out together, uh, remind one another, or maybe learn together for the first time what it looks like practically to be a disciple of Jesus, what the rhythms, the daily, weekly, monthly, annual rhythms of our lives look like um, that help us, each of us, to point ourselves back uh, to Jesus, to who he is and who we are in him. And... Um, conveniently, uh, we're going to talk about worship today, um, and actually, you know, being involved in worshipping together as a family, as we have done this morning, as we have the privilege of doing uh, each week, is kind of like the sermon in itself. You know, I was just sort of standing there worshipping, thinking, what else can I say about worship other than what we are currently experiencing in the room as we sing praises to our God? So uh, I don't know if there's anything I can add, um, but I'll try. I hope that's all right. Um, we know, don't we, a lot of us, and we may have heard talks on it before, that when we talk about the word worship, it's a huge word. And uh, worship doesn't just refer to the songs that we sing here together corporately on a Sunday. Um, but it's everything that we are, and it's everything that we give back to God in response to uh, the way that he has been so good to us, everything that we do to give back to God, to glorify him, uh, to praise his name, and yes to that. Uh, but today, specifically, I did actually want to talk a little bit about uh, worshipping God in this particular way, in song, in music, uh, in our kind of private, personal uh, moments with the Lord as well. Because I think often when we're teaching and hearing teaching about this stuff, um, we want to say our worship is all about our whole lives, our whole lifestyle. And that is true, 100%. But sometimes it means that we can kind of underplay this incredible thing that we do together, which we all love of getting together and worshipping God by, by singing and praising together um, and playing music together and dancing and all of those things. Um, and uh, it, there's like something in us where we feel like we don't want to make a big deal of that um, because we know that worship is supposed to be a whole lifestyle. But I just want to encourage us as we think about it today. Um, it's a really, really important part of what we do and who we are as disciples. And so we want to focus just that little bit on it today. Because we know, don't we, that we are people who are made to worship in this way. You know, we turn our attention and our affection towards Jesus. Um, because if we don't, we likely put our attention and our affection elsewhere. Because we're people who are made to worship. So if we're not turning our eyes to Jesus, we're turning our eyes towards uh, something or someone else and worshipping that instead. Um, why do we make a big song and dance about worship? Well, it says this in Revelation. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and heard the voices of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. 
They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. In heaven, they're making a big old song and dance about worshipping Jesus. It's well extra. And, and I think if there's something that we need to grasp hold of again, it's that we can't go over the top with our singing and dancing and praise to Jesus because he is worthy and he is good and he is worthy of all honour and praise and glory that we are able to give him. So for the next few moments, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to speak to us briefly from, um, from Scripture. We're going to talk about a particular point of Scripture, and we're going to uh, think about worship together. Um, I've asked Nita to come and share a little bit with us about uh, what it looks like for her to be a worshipping person, um, because I promised each week that I would uh, have someone from uh, the church come and share with us what this stuff looks like for them. Um, so be prepared. I may come and ask you um, in the coming weeks. So we're going to do that, um, and then we're going to take communion together. There's an amazing story um, in Acts chapter 16. Um, and I've just realized that I don't have my Bible, which is a bit awkward. Can you just pass my Bible out my bag? It's going to be quite difficult for me to read the Bible if I don't actually have it. Thanks. Um, amazing, amazing story in Acts chapter 16, which I'm going to kind of read to us and kind of um, summarize for us. Paul and Silas... Uh, are in prison because uh, what's happened is they've met uh, a woman, a female slave. It says, um, this is sort of summarizing from um, verse 16, and she has a spirit in her which is helping her to predict the future. And her master is making a lot of money out of this. Um, and uh, Paul, it says basically that it actually says, finally, Paul became so annoyed, he basically gets irritated with her doing this all the time, that he casts the spirit out of her. He's like, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her, and the spirit leaves her. So she's no longer able to do this fortune-telling anymore. And then her owners realize that that's happened, and they're really cross, because all of a sudden, the money that they were making from her uh, isn't going to be possible anymore. And so they grab Paul and Silas, and they drag them into the marketplace to face the Roman authorities, and they end up in prison. Um, everyone sort of turns against Paul and Silas, uh, and they're beaten, and they end up in prison. Um, and then it says this, this is reading from verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they, uh, they preached the gospel to him. And him, the jailer, and his whole household are baptized in the middle of the night because of the amazing things that they have witnessed. So what an incredible story. And what I want to briefly talk to us about this morning is, you know, when we worship, we're glorifying God, we're praising him because he is good. And that's reason alone to be worshiping God. But because God is so good, is so filled with grace and compassion and love for us, even when we're doing the thing which is completely pointed to him, he blesses us by the spirit and things in our lives change. The first thing that happens when we worship, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners are overhearing it. And then it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. How many of you know that when we worship, our very foundations are shaken? The very things that we've built our lives on, which are not Jesus, the things that distract us and the things that we end up pointing to all the time, those things are shaken when we come into the presence of God in worship. Uh, recently, I was listening to somebody talk about uh, the recent kind of, I don't know if you want to call it outpouring, revival, whatever that experience was over in Asbury in America at university, where thousands and thousands of students were just experiencing the spirit of God in this uh, drawn out long process of just worshipping day and night at this university. And um, this guy who was, who was speaking about it was saying that one of the things that happened was um, they started to realize after a couple of days is that they'd collected just boxes and boxes and boxes of smartphones because people had just, in the presence of God, realized that this thing that they were carrying around in their pocket all the time was, they'd built their whole lives on it. They'd put their whole trust in it. Their whole foundation of their lives were built on it and they were just leaving them at the altar um, in worship. And I think that's such an amazing picture for us of foundations being shaken. You know, the things that we've built our lives on accidentally that are not Jesus. When we worship him, when we come into his presence, the foundations are shaken uh, and things change. So first, the foundations are shaken when we worship. Second, uh, at the end of verse 26, it says, And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened or everyone's chains were unloosened. It's not just us who are set free in worship, but it's those around us too. You know, Paul and Silas were there worshipping, their chains fell off, but the prisoners around them too, all of their chains were loosened and the prison walls uh, came down. And we know, don't we, and we trust that when we come into the presence of God in worship, when we glorify him rather than ourselves, the chains in our lives and those around us are broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it might be an addiction that you are going through. You know, there's, ama there's amazing uh, stories uh, in Chasing the Dragon um, by, with Jackie Pullinger. If you haven't read that amazing, amazing uh, testimony of what happens when uh, people with real addictions come into the presence of God and worship and worship and worship. The chains of addiction are broken. Uh, but it might not be addiction. It might be behaviors that um, we are chained by, you know, our anger 
or our negative self-talk or our anxiety. Things in us that constantly we're berating ourselves about. We're saying, I wish I didn't behave like that. I wish I didn't do that to other people. I wish I didn't respond in that way to things when they happen to me. Those are things that chain us. They tie us up. Uh, they, They bond us. And we can get ourselves stuck in them. But what uh, this story with Paul and Silas reminds us of is that when we worship, uh, chains are broken. When we're worshiping regularly, you know, when we make a habit of turning our attention to Jesus, uh, we turn our attention onto the goodness of God. Chains are broken. So foundations are shaken, chains are broken. And salvation comes. It says the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, what must I do to be saved? And they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household and him and his whole household are baptized that night. We've talked about it quite a lot in the last few weeks that uh, one of the core parts of our vision of who we are as a church um, is about transforming communities But what it looks like often to transform a community is for each of us to commit to being transformed people. Uh, Because when we are transformed and when we're transformed in worship, and wow, does God do that when we worship him, uh, it's not just us that it affects. We are transformed and those around us are transformed too. Salvation comes when we worship God in spirit and in truth. Nita, I wonder if you would come and join us. I didn't actually tell Nita at which point I was going to call her up, so she's been like on tender hooks for ages. Do you want to grab that yellow mic? Um, I've asked Nita to come and, and just share with us for a few minutes uh, because I want I want this to be like this whole series to be yes theology, yes scripture, but also practical. Um, you know how how do we do this stuff together, and how do we do it in our own lives? So, Nita, why don't you tell us a bit about what it looks like for you to be a worshiping person? Okay, it works. That I might have to fiddle. That would go wrong. <laughs> um, thank you, Philippa. Um, so, what it's looked like for me to be a worshiping person is um, actually lots of different things. It's looked very different in different seasons of my life. It's also felt very different at different times. Sometimes it's been like a real discipline to worship and it's felt hard. But I've definitely also had lots of those kind of mountaintop experiences where you just feel very naturally led into worship. Mm. Um, I think for me, one of the things that kind of has always resonated for me is there's this phrase in Psalm 42 that says, when deep calls out to deep. And for me, I think... That has kind of always run through my experiences of worship. This sense of like something deep inside of me connecting with the Godhead. Connecting with something kind of beyond my own kind of recognition and consciousness. Mm. And that's like different things at different times. And it's been for me at times a real lifeline actually. And there's been a a couple of examples I can talk about specifically um, one of which was um, a very difficult time in our lives, and we, had, uh, we lost a baby at 32 weeks. And we were beyond prayer. We, could, we didn't have words, and we didn't have any theology, really, for what was going on. But we could worship, and, and Nathan, my husband, and I, we spent time worshiping, and that was where we, we met with God, and he met with us. And we felt really carried in that. And it, was, it started as a discipline, but it then became very easy. 
So that was one time. Um, and there was another time, kind of earlier in my, uh, in my Christian walk, where I had this sort of strange, like, sort of allergy to church. I was having, there was lots of transitions in my life, and um, I think probably it's quite a lot of anxiety. I was, at that time, uh, a bit emotionally dysfunctional. I <laughs> didn't really know what was going on. Um, and I was having this kind of real allergic reaction to church, and I couldn't, I couldn't go. I couldn't really pray. I wasn't reading my Bible. I was really struggling, actually. And, um, but there was one thing I could do, and that was I would go into my room, and I'd shut the door, and I'd put worship music on, and I'd just dance. Um, it didn't feel particularly, like, spiritual, and, you know, I wasn't sort of doing all this, like, wonderful. I was just moving my body in some kind of response, this kind of deep calls to deep response to, to something kind of in that room, and I would do that. And that carried me through kind of months and months of not really finding any other way to connect with God. Mm. And, um, yeah, so th that was going on for some time. And then one day, my husband just really encouraged me. He's like, well, why don't you come, come with me this morning to church? And, um, and I did. And um, I, you know, sat through the sermon, and I wasn't really expecting much. And then at the end... They, uh, as, as often is, there's this altar call, you know, come forward if you'd like prayer for anything. Nathan's like, I think you should go, because there's been some stuff going on, hasn't there? <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, if I must. So off I trot forward, and there's um, a very well-presented lady comes forward to pray for me. And I give her a couple of lines. I was like, just finding it tricky come, coming to church. I'm not feeling brilliant. Anyway, so she put her hand on me. As she prayed. She didn't pray, actually. She was praying, but not out loud. She was just listening. And then she, <laughs> and then she said to me, Jesus loves it when you dance for him. And that just absolutely undid me, because there was me, you know, dancing around in my room, thinking that no one, because I didn't tell anyone, not even like Nathan knew that I was doing this. It was a completely secret act of worship. Yet, in that moment, God had told me that he'd been there, like Jesus had been there and seen that. And, um, and it was really important, of course, for the journey that I was on, for him to tell me that in a church, because mm. not only was it about worshipping in spirit and truth, kind of by myself, but I needed to hear that in a community setting to say, I, I'm, you know, I was with you here, but I'm also with you here. So that was a really kind of profound experience of worship um, that I had and just real confirmation of just that is a place where, yeah, I, I meet Jesus. So good. So good. Thank you, Nita. Wait, Nita, don't go. Come back. Nita, come back. Come back. Um, we I have more to say, but we're running out of time and I'm not going to because how can I top that? Um, why don't we stand together? Uh, worship band, why don't you come join us? Uh, we're going to continue to worship. Uh, Nita, I would love it if, I didn't ask you to do this, so sorry, but I think you can handle it. Um, I'd love it if you'd pray for us um, that we might grow together and individually in our journeys as we learn more and more to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Would you do that? Thank you. Lord, thank you that you are so good to us. And you are so full of compassion and kindness and love. And that is what you meet us with in worship. 
And Lord, we ask you, God, to meet with us now as we worship and in our daily lives. And I pray, Lord, for those of us who are going through difficult times, and I pray that worship would be, as it was for me, like a lifeline, a way of connecting with you, Lord, when all other things might fail us. And I pray as well for those of us who need breakthrough as well in in parts of our lives, as, as Philippa was saying, and that, you know, the shackles would come off and the prison gates would fly open and, and we would find freedom in that worship as well, Lord. So, God, would you come now as we worship? Do you come by your spirit and minister to those deep, deep places in our hearts? Would you transform us into your likeness as we worship? And would you transform our lives and the communities around us as we do that, Lord Jesus? We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Hey, we're going to sing together and we're going to take communion as our kids and our young people come back.